0: Our anniversary service and that that message is still going on in my heart and I thank God for that. But It's good to have you. It's good to see you here today, all of you. Uh, he, go ahead and open your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. You know, we've been talking now for some time about a real people, a real church with real people seeking a real God. Now, I'm not going to go back and review all of those things except that we want to come to where we begin, really begin last week, in seeking the presence of God, seeking God. Hebrews 11, 6 says, "...but without faith it's impossible to please Him. For they that come to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him." Now, diligent is a key word in this verse, and it means something that you do with great effort, on a regular basis. It's not something that, you know, uh, just for example, while I helped carry the chains Friday night at the ball game. Y'all saw me running up down that sideline over there, man, acting like a young guy. I did that till I got home. And I sat out in my chair and about 30 minutes later, I thought they were going to have to carry me out, you know. But anyway, I did it and I enjoyed it. It was, well, it was almost fun. I wish we'd have been on the home side instead of the visitor side and I wouldn't have had to listen to all that abuse. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But one of the guys on the chain gang, he, we, it was in the fourth quarter, and he said, I've lost my ring. I don't know if any of y'all noticed at one point in time I walked way down the field and way back up. I was looking for his ring. I was walking down there looking, trying to find his ring. This is his wedding ring. And it's got diamonds on it, you know. And I'm looking. I walked all the way. I mean, from down here about the 20-yard line all the way down to about the ten. And then turned around and I walked all the way back looking again. And, and I got back up there and he said, you know, said I don't think I had it on. <laughs>
1: and he didn't.
0: <laughs> His wife said, I asked again, said, don't you remember two nights ago you said it was hurting your finger and you gave it to me and told me to put it in a jewelry box? He said, I forgot. She accused him of not taking this medicine. But anyway, <laughs> I was diligently... Seeking that ring. But I'm not looking for it anymore. Now, folks, I'm I'm telling you this for this purpose. There's time after time in my life I have sought God and I entered into His presence. But I still love to do it. I love to go back and seek Him again and get in His presence because there's some great benefits. We talked about that last week about being in the presence of God. To look into Him and, and believe in Him. That, that he's there. And see, uh, the psalmist said that that God said, seek my face. And to seek his face means to seek his presence. So the psalmist said, when you said to me, seek my face, then my heart said, Lord, your face will I seek. I want to seek your presence. And that's that's what we need to do. And we get, we get into his presence just like we did this morning. This is one avenue, and probably the biggest one is praise and worship. And folks, we need, to, we need to be a people of praise and worship so that we can learn to live in the presence of God and, and be in His presence and seeing our needs met and things met in our life. So with that said, I want to get right into this. We, uh, I, that covered my very first sentence. We need to seek His presence and then live in His presence. But I want to, I want to turn to a different situation this morning, something different. Uh, Solomon asked God for wisdom. He come before God. He said, God, I want wisdom. Everybody knows that he asked him for wisdom. You can talk to people that don't hardly ever go to church. What did Solomon ask God for? And they'll tell you they've had enough church, they'll tell you wisdom. But I want to see why he asked God for wisdom. You say, well, he said it to lead this people. Well, let's go back. Let's go over to First Kings chapter 3. I want us to read some scripture, and I want us to go from there. 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 5. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5 says, In Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God asked, God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto my servant David, my thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he has walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in an uprightness of heart with thee. There is a reason that David did that, and we'll see that in a few minutes. And thou hast kept For him in this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. That's what he said. And I know not how to go out or come in. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about that term, but do you know that term, going out and coming in, or go out, come in, came came in, or, or went out? It's in the Bible many, many different times, and and there's, if it's in there that much, there's got to be some meaning to it. You say, well, doesn't it mean leadership? Well, it it, it extends itself to leadership, but it goes more than that. So uh, when we when we think about this now, Solomon, here's here's what we got to understand. Solomon said, God, here's where I'm at. David, my father, knew how to go out and come in. And I don't know how to do that. And I, I, think, I think about, uh, you know, a lot of folks that go to Walmart could be classified right here because I see people all the time going in the exit and coming out the entrance. And I thought, they don't know how to go out and come in. Uh, and, and here's one that really gets me. It it, it, it lows. You turn it off at of 31 and they're, the first turn back in is for in only. And nearly every time I go, there's somebody coming out. And there's an arrow there pointing in and says, only. I think they don't know how to go out and come in. Now, i got to admit something. I know Loretta will tell you this. This don't apply when I go to Kroger's. And the reason is, is because where the bulk of their parking is, it's so much easier to go in the exit door than it is to go in the entrance door. But I'm going to have to repent and start going in and out right. Right? if I'm going to know how to go out and come in, I need to do it everywhere I go and And you'd think, well maybe maybe Solomon had a problem with doorknobs. Who knows? But he said David knew how to do this. In other words, every time David went to Walmart, he always went in the entrance and always came out the exit. I mean, that's what it would seem like that he was talking about here. Well I found out and these other ministers around can verify this as well, that when you find something in the Bible that you don't really understand, the Bible will explain itself if you'll spend some time doing some study. Right? So, So we have to spend time in the Word of God to find out what the Word of God says. And... We don't need to just try to say what we think it says. See, we've gotten in trouble doing that. Uh, the Bible will explain itself if you'll search it out. And, and you know, instead of what we think, and, and the Bible, here's one thing we do. We try to use our situations and circumstances to explain the Bible. Instead, let the Bible define our situation and circumstances. You know here's the thing about it if you're in if you're in unbelief in any area of your life, you cannot find an excuse for that in the Bible. Hello so there's some places in the Bible, a lot of them but i'm I'm not going to go to all of them I'm going to go to some of them that talk about this and we'll find out what he's talking about when he said, "I want to know how to go out and come in so in numbers. Chapter 27, Moses, as God had told him, said, you know, you've done pretty good, you've come this far, you're not going over Jordan. So Moses began to pray. And, he, and, and Moses spake unto the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation. Now listen what his prayer was. Set a man over the congregation, which may go out before them, which may come in before them and which may lead them out and which may bring them in that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep which have no shepherd. Now that was Moses' prayer. I mean, he had had this congregation for 40 years. Now you think about that. Sure he had a heart for these people. As aggravating as these folks were, Moses had a heart for these people. And he said, God, here's my prayer. I'm not praying to get to go into the promised land. I'm not praying to get, you know, anything. I'm just praying that whoever you set over this, and I think it'll be Joshua. He didn't say that, but he already knew. He said, I pray that they'll be able to know how to go out and come in and lead your people. Well, in, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 2, Moses is giving his farewell speech. This is his last pastoral address. And Moses said unto them, I am 120 years old this day, and can no more go out, and come in. Also the Lord has said unto me, Thou shalt not go over this Jordan. Now, now, before we jump to a bunch of conclusions, God had told Moses, said, your time's up, and you're fixing to come home. He had told him what to do to get ready to go to heaven. See, Moses' calling was fixing to change. His calling was about to change from pastoring to heaven. You know, I'm looking forward to that change myself. But now Moses had got to be 120 years old, and... Uh, and in Deuteronomy 34, it says that that when he died, that his eyesight was still as good as it had ever been, and his strength had debated him not. So if he still had good eyesight and good strength, then why was he changing? Well, he was going to heaven. You know, and I, I like to think about going to heaven like Moses did, don't you? There's no report of him being sick, hurt. He didn't get up on the mountain and fall and break his neck or none of that kind of stuff. He just got up on the mountain and God took him on to heaven. They they couldn't even find his grave. God did such a good job of that thing. And I'm telling you, folks, listen. His desire was that as he had led the people out and and went in and out before them, that God would set somebody that would be able to do the same thing. In uh, Deuteronomy 28, 6, it says, Blessed are you when you when you comest in and when you goest out. That's the King James Version, so we'll just make it through. You're blessed when you come in and go out. And that's not just talking about your house. Okay, so hold on with me and follow this. Jesus even referred to this in John chapter 10, verse 9. He said that I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. So there's an important thing to this. Well... I come across another verse that's found in the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 14 and verse 7. Here Caleb is speaking, and the land is being divided. Caleb said, I want that mountain over there. There's still giants there. Let me tell you why I want that, Joshua. He said, as yet I am as strong this day as I was in that day when Moses sent me. In other words, when he went out to spy out the land 40 years before And he was now 86 years old, by the way. I'm as strong now as I was then. Even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now, let let me say this to you. Go out and come in, as we see it today, is military terms. He said, God, my father, Solomon said, my father David was a warrior. He knew how to go in and fight, but he also knew how to come in. And the purpose of them coming in was that they would come, come in to the temple of God. And, and there they would they would refresh their self. He, and so Joshua said this. He said, I know how to go out to war, I know how to come in from war. Now follow me in this. How many of you know that at first Corinthians chapter ten, verse six says all these things in the Old Testament were examples to us? If they were in a war that day, do you think we're still in a war today? We are, aren't we? I'm going to tell you something. You're in a war every day. You say, I don't like that. Well, it makes no difference what you like, okay? I don't like North Korea, but they're there. I don't like ISIS, but they're there. I don't like to think about sometimes that I'm in a war every day, but I tell you something I do like to think about that even though I may be in a war, I'm not on the losing team. I'm not on the losing side. So, if it was important for those people in that day to know how to go out and come in, folks, it's important for you and I today to know how to go out and to come in. And, and it's, like I said, it's talking about war. See, When they would go out, if they won the war, then they would come in and worship and rejoice. If they lost the war, they'd come back in and repent and find out what they did wrong. And if they were still in the war, they would come in and just get before the Lord and worship the Lord and get refreshed. Now, that's just like today. We're still in a war, and we need to be refreshed. In James chapter 5, verse 13, this is what he said. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Afflicted there means having lots of problems. That means you're involved in a war. That there's problems going on in your life. And he said, and this is what he's talking about when we come into the house of God here. He's setting some things in order. How are we to do? He said that if any among you afflicted, let him pray. Is any merry, let him sing psalms. In other words, he he's won the war. If you won the war that way, then you need to rejoice. And then he went ahead and said, is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint, anoint, let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, I'm going to share something with you right here. i got to repent about something before you. And to you, I've repented about this before God. I have been slack, especially on Wednesday night, of when somebody says, I need you to pray for me about this situation, that we make just a nice mention of them in a nice prayer. I I'm, I'm take it from this point on that when you say, I need you to pray for me because of the sickness, this problem, this circumstance, you're calling for the elders when you do that. And so I'll not let that go by again without getting you up and getting people to come and lay hands on you, anointing you with oil and praying for you for that need to be met. I believe that's an order. And I believe we need to do it. And and so we'll we'll do that. I thought about this last Wednesday night. Jody said, I got this pain, I need you all to pray for me. And the Lord dealt with me about that Jody Thursday morning, so I apologize. I repent. That we should anoint her with oil and pray for her. So this we will do. If you need prayer, on Sunday morning, on Wednesday night, we're going to, and you make it known, to me that's calling for the elders. And we're going to anoint you and we're going to believe God and pray for you and the prayer of faith. We're going to pray the prayer of faith. We're not going to stand there and pray if it be your will or Lord if you could or anything like that. We're going to believe and pray the prayer of faith and call it done in the name of Jesus. Amen? Well listen, when we come to church, you've been out through the week and you come in to church or your or your prayer time, your devotion time. If you've lost that week, if you've given in to a temptation and you knew I don't I don't need to do this, but I you do it. And you know, I don't know, maybe I'm not preaching to the choir when I talk about that. But anyhow, but you need to repent. If we want to experience the presence of God, then we need to learn how to repent. He says, oh, you don't need to Yes, you do. I believe there's, it's more important today for us to learn how to confess our sins to God and repent of those sins than it's ever been at any time because of the evil day that we live in. And I'm going to tell you, I'll say this, I don't care what some preacher, somewhere else, I don't care how many TVs, radios, CDs he's on that tells you you don't have to confess, repent, don't listen to him. Because the Word of God plainly declares it. If we've won, Hey, if you, if, you, if you had a good week, and there's nothing wrong with having a good week, we think it's abnormal. Somebody come in just happy. But boy, what's wrong with them? What are they on? They had a good week. Need to come in and rejoice, rejoice. Get involved in praise and worship rejoice. And, and listen, let me tell you this, if you come in afflicted, you've lost, you've got problems, there's nothing wrong with coming in that door and getting in this altar. I promise you somebody will pray with you right there, even if it's before the time clock comes up on the screen. And then if, you, if you're involved in a war, which most of us are, we need to get in His presence to be refreshed. Be refreshed so that we're going to go back out. We're going to come up from this time of being refreshed and we're going to go back out. We're going to win that war. The next time we come in, we're going to come in shouting and rejoicing like David when he come in before him there had the head of Goliath in his hand and dancing a jig before the Lord. And they begin to cry out, Saul is slain his thousand, but David is ten thousands. Hallelujah. Man, I'm about to preach. Come on, me. Y'all bear with me for a little bit. Solomon said, my father knew how to go out and how to come in. Let's read that in 1 Samuel, chapter 18, beginning in verse 12. And Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from him and made him his captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. I like, you know you notice how many times that says that? And all through the time of David, the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. Wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before him. Now, David knew, that God was with him. He was a worshiper. You take the book of Psalms, 150 Psalms, and David wrote the overwhelming majority of those psalms. He was a worshiper. He, 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 he knew how to worship God. And it didn't just start when he was king. It started when he was a shepherd boy off out there. I mean, just a young guy. I mean, not not even uh, good and uh, dry behind the ears yet, you know, that, so to speak. Just a young person. But they had a habit of worshiping the Lord. That's what made David a great king. It's what made him a great leader. And and it made him a great warrior also because he worshiped the Lord. He knew how to go out and he knew how to come in. Uh, And so we we need to realize that when we come into the presence of the Lord, we're not going to stay there forever. There's going to be a going out. A lot of people say that the last words of Jesus was go. No, it wasn't. Did you know that? His last words were not go. He said that. That's the Great Commission. But that's not the last thing he said. The last thing he said was stay. He said if you don't stay before you go, then when you go, you won't have nothing to go out with. You got that? He said come in. Come in where? Come into his presence. That can be in your bedroom. It can be in your automobile. It can be at your breakfast table, your living room. It can be with your family sitting around at night. listen, it don't have to be church. But he said, come in before you go out. You know, I've, it, it, I think about this. I've had, I've had several children to ask me over the years, do you live here? And the reason they ask that is because I'm always here when they come and I'm always here when they leave. Do you live here? And you know, no. <laughs> I got a house I go, you know, go home to. But you know, we, we think about that. And we, we I, in relation to Jesus, we think that we've got to come to church to meet Jesus. We come in, we meet him, and when we go out, you know, so I like the pastor standing at the door greeting everybody, how are you today, had a good week, and you know, come on in, we're gonna have a good time. And then when when you leave, pastor standing there at the door shaking hands and says, well, you know, have a good week, be blessed, and and all of this, and we get this idea in our head that Jesus may be that way. When we come to church, there's Jesus, you know, patting us on the back, saying, bless you, and, you know, come on in, have a good time. Then when we go out, Jesus is there, have a good week, bless you. And See you next time, and and all you know, and and Jesus, you're not going with us. Uh, no, I've done been out there, and I tried that, and it didn't work out. I'll be here. I'm gonna stay here, and uh, when you come back next week, I'll be here again. Uh, if you come back, some of you won't come back. I'm saying this to be funny, y'all. <laughs> made my face turn red, didn't you? I was thinking, boy, this is not going over real well. But we get this idea. i got to go to church so I can get in there with Jesus. You do. But you get in there with Jesus anywhere you're willing to come into His presence with praise and thanksgiving. You don't have to be in church. But it's okay to go to church. See, see worship brings the presence of the Lord into our life. And you say, well, I don't know. I can't sing. You know, I found out something this week that I didn't know before, and I do that all the time, especially when it comes to iPhone, okay? I found out that you can go on, your, take your iPhone or your device, electronic digital device, and you can go to YouTube. Nearly everybody's got one that can go to YouTube. And on YouTube, you can put in, like, Hillsong playlist. They'll play you worship music for an hour and ten minutes. Just sweet, beautiful. All right, and if you don't like Hill song, then Bethel. You go to Bethel Church, or or most any of these these big churches that has puts out a lot of praise work. You can go to them, and you can you can just get lost in that praise and worship. You don't have to you don't have to be able to sing. But I tell you again, people say I can't. This voice of mine, I can't sing. You've got the voice God gave you, and God loves to hear your voice. Get back there, and your audience of one. I and I, wait a minute, I got to change that. Your audience of three. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're there, and they love to hear you sing with what you got. I can't sing like Aaron and Hallie and Sydney and Becky and these others. I can't. Amanda. Jeannie, yeah, Jeannie. I'm gonna tell you something, Pat. God loves our singing, don't He? He loves it. Hallelujah, and He'll listen to it, and it brings the presence of God. Folks, I, I, I had, when I came here this morning and there, pray it was not the first time I had been in the presence of God this morning. I'm not saying this for proud, bold, right. But when I got up, I did just exactly what I told you to do. I went back there in my room, I closed the door, and I got out my iPhone. And I looked up that Hill song playlist. And I just sat there for a few minutes and enjoyed the, the worship and the praise and the blessings of God. And I knew that when I got up from there, I was going to be able to go out and be victorious in this day because the presence of the Lord was going with me. Hallelujah. And it will work for you too. Let me tell you. See, it said here in First Samuel Chapter 18, it says in verse 12, And Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. Verse 14, And David behaved himself wisely in all of his ways, and the Lord was with him. He was with him. You know, uh, another thing that we see in this too is that worship brings the fear of God. Now, don't get turned off by the word fear, okay? Uh, There's a healthy fear call reverence, respect. But when I'm talking about here, bring the fear of God, it will cause the fear of God to be on your life and others will see that. Especially the enemy, the adversary. Saul was David's adversary. He was the one set against him. The Spirit of God had left Saul and, and the Spirit of God was on David and when the Spirit of God left Saul, an evil spirit came and was on Saul. And it was that evil spirit on Saul that was afraid of the God spirit that was on David he feared him because of that because it says here I got ahead of myself but y'all bear read verse 12 again Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul verse 15 and when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely he was afraid of him he was afraid of the spirit that was on him now I think about this this way You spend time with the Lord. If you don't get but ten minutes in the morning, folks, that'll be ten minutes more than you did yesterday, probably, and I'm, you know. But spend time, at some point in time, with the Lord. And and when you do, and you get in the presence of the Lord, the devil is going to take notice, and sure, he may come against you, but he's going to do it at arm's distance. He's only able to get to us when the presence of the Lord is not there with us. We walk in that presence. It's sort of, so I, I was thinking about a cartoon that whenever I was a young guy just a few years ago, Mickey, uh, Mighty Mouse, not Mickey Mouse, Mighty Mouse, and I never and forget, that had these cartoons, All Can Harry. Y'all remember All Can Harry? Well, I may be talking to the wrong group. You remember them, don't you? <laughs> right? You know, All Can Harry. He would always take Sweet Sue and tie her up at the sawmill or on the railroad track. And here she is, just so helpless, and, and, you know, can't do anything, just so helpless, and just in the nick of time, here'd come Mighty Mouse to save the day. And he'd come in, and he'd, he'd knock all can hair out of the way, and he'd save Sweet Sue right at the last moment. Hey. Let me tell you something, you get in the presence of God, the devil's going to think twice before he comes against you full from. He's going to think about that. Why? Because the presence of the Lord is there and Mighty Mouse is on his way, okay? The Holy Spirit of God is there. Hallelujah. Worshiping God brings God's wisdom. Wouldn't you love to know that in the morning when you go out and it's Monday, Everybody's going to be saying, oh, it's Monday again. I talked to somebody the other day, and, and they said, I said, well, it's not Monday. Has been all. It's on Friday. has been all week long. I thought, my, 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 my. I have Monday. I live Monday every week. Every one of us does. But I'm finding out that in the presence of God, Monday is no different than any other day. Don't have to be. Wouldn't you love to know that you get up in the morning and you get you spend that, that few minutes of time, even if it's just on the way to work, in the presence of God. And and you're there and you have wisdom for the day. You have wisdom to be able to do things that you need to do. And and, and see, it says here in verse 14, it says, And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. Worship brings the wisdom of God into our life, the Word that we know how to answer. We know how to give an answer. Wouldn't you love to know that when somebody comes to you with a problem that you're able to give them a God answer instead of just something out of your head? And you sit there, well, I, I, you know, I know. I've had to a lot of times say, I don't know. And you know why I didn't know right then? It's because I hadn't spent time in the presence of God. And there's times I have to go back to the presence of God two or three times. Got to give you wisdom. Solomon said he knew how to go out and come in, so I need wisdom. I want to know how to do this same thing. So he asked God to teach him how to do that. See, uh, and Solomon had a visitor. In 2 Chronicles 9, verse 1 through 4, he's going to show you the King James. I'm going to read to you from the New King James. I like this wording here in a couple of places. just a little bit better. It don't change it much. He had a visitor one day called the Queen of Sheba. And it says, now, when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to Jerusalem to test Solomon with the hard questions, having a very great retinue, or company, as you see here. Camels that bore spices, gold in abundance. And, and Boy, I'm telling you, gold in abundance. Actually, if you read on down in that, you'll find that she brought him 900 pounds of gold. That would be like 144,000 ounces. At today's value, it would be somewhere around 166 to $170 million. Now, that's a pretty good gift to bring somebody in. Anytime y'all want, anybody wants to give me a gift like that, I'll receive it. And I'll be humble, okay? And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing so difficult for Solomon that he could not explain it to her. Now, something you re- realize as you study a little history, this Queen of Sheba, at this point in time before she came to Solomon, history says that she believed that she was the wealthiest and wisest person on the face of the earth. Now, she came from the same era that the wise men came to uh, a few hundred years later, at the birth of Jesus. So she she thought this. Well, don't she heard of Solomon. There's a fame of this king over in Jerusalem that claims to be the wisest and the richest. And, and the thing about it was, Solomon's claim was not something that he was bragging and boasting about. It's just something that went out. Why? Because he learned in his early life some things about going out and coming in. Matter of fact, if you read on down in that, second, in that first, second Chronicles there, you'll find that, that Solomon's, the gold that was brought to Solomon each year was 25 tons. That's just the gold. I don't count the silver and precious jewels and, and precious lumber and all of that kind of thing, but, but this it came. So she came, and, and here's the reason. Where she came from, they prided themselves on hard riddles and proverbs. So she came to put Solomon to the test to see if he is indeed wiser than she was. And everything that she said to Solomon, he answered it. Every riddle, he solved it. Every proverb, he was able to explain it to her. Just, I mean, she'd give it to it and it'd come back. It'd come back. It'd come back. And when the Queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon, that's what she got, the house that he built, talking about the church, local church, the food on this table. You, you see, when you come into the house of God, when you come into a place like this, or when any time you come into the presence of God, I we have pretty good food around here. It's like food coming to you, food on the table. And I believe we have pretty good food around here. I, and I'm not saying because I'm preaching, but when these other guys minister, I believe we have good food here. I know somebody left our church one time and, and said, "Well, I just don't feel like I'm getting fed there." And I said, you know, you can go to the best restaurants in Decatur or Huntsville. Order whatever you want to from the menu. They can cook it just exactly like you want it. And when they come and set it on your table, if you don't eat it, then you'll go away saying, I don't think I got fed there. So you've got to eat. The presence of the Lord makes it conducive to eat. The seating of His servants, the service of the waiters, of their peril, the excellence that was going on and among those that were in any kind of leadership his cupbearers and their apparel. And the King James says, uh, and the attendance of the house of the Lord, the new King James says, and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit left in her, no more breath. She was just, well, what was it that got her? It wasn't just his wisdom. It wasn't just the order of the house. But the thing that really impressed her was when this man that now then she knew was the wisest man in all the earth, now was the richest man in all the earth because besides what he had, she brought him even that much more. All of these things, the way it was organized, all of these things impressed her. But when she saw Solomon go up to the house of God, some translation says his sacrifice is in the house and all this, but when she saw him go up and worship in the presence of the Lord, this mighty man, there's no idol up there. Where's your image at, Solomon, that you're bowing down before? There's none of that there. But the presence of the Lord. He just took her breath out of her. Wow. And she said, the half has never yet been told. I got one other thing I want to share with you about this going in and out. In Ezekiel chapter 46, verse 9, Ezekiel forty six nine says, But when the people of the land come before the Lord on the appointed feast days, whoever enters by the way of the north gate to worship shall go out by the way of the south gate, and whoever enters by the way of the south gate shall go out by the north gate. He shall not return by the way of the gate through which he came, but shall go out through the opposite gate. You say that don't that don't make any sense. Well, you know, we have a south door but we don't have a north door okay we have two south doors and we got two west doors this one and the one there and so what it would be is if I were to say to you one day okay look now y'all came in this door but I want you to go out this way why well God said let's go out this way see God said to them I want you the way you come in don't go out that same way you see the spiritual parallel I want you to see this And it simply means this, however you come into the presence of the Lord, don't go out the same way you came in. If you come in hurting, you can go out healed. If you come in defeated, you can go out victorious. If you come in empty in the presence of the Lord, you can go out filled. If you come in happy, you can go out happier. Folks, I'm telling you, you don't have to leave here today the way that you came in. If you came in lost, you can go out saved. If you came in backslid, you can go out firmly knowing that you're in the family of God. Restored. If you came in here today empty and you need the Holy Spirit in your life, you can go out filled. If you came in sick, I believe the presence of the Lord is still here from praise and worship. I believe you can go out healed. Yeah, but what if I don't? No, no, no. When we come in the presence of the Lord, our determination is to go out different than when we came in. If you came in here defeated today, please don't leave that way. Please don't leave cast down. Don't leave down and out when you leave up and in. Amen? The presence of the Lord. Solomon said, I want to know how to go out and come in because I know that every day is not going to be beautiful red roses. There's going to be some days when the thorns are going to get thick and tough and I won't know how to go out and come in. I want to have the presence of the Lord in my life. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him for they that come to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Seek His presence. Bow your heads with me. As you sat there this morning.